0: Welcome to Better Angels, the podcast for women creating change. I'm Susan Ferry Price, and I'm thrilled to be back for a second season. Thanks to everyone for their messages and suggestions for guests. I really appreciate it. Today, I'm talking to pro volleyball player Cassidy Lickman. Cassidy is a former member of the USA Volleyball women's national team and was a two time All American and an academic All American at Stanford. Cassidy took time out to talk to us today in the midst of competing in Dallas. She's playing with Athletes Unlimited, the new network of pro volleyball, basketball, softball, and lacrosse leagues for women, where the players are running the show. They're making decisions from recruiting to civic leadership to what they're wearing. They also play a five-week season in a single city, so women with families or other jobs can continue playing pro sports. Athletes Unlimited has a bunch of innovative ways for fans to participate and follow their favorite players. Cassidy's on the board of the league, and she is chair of the volleyball players' executive committee. She's also the founder of Path, an organization that harnesses the influence of professional athletes to influence young people. Here's Cassidy. Was volleyball always your favorite sport? It was. It was many sports, but there
1: was definitely always volleyball. My mom is a volleyball coach. She played uh, growing up. Uh, My my older brother plays and, you know, volleyball is a hard sport to play when you're uh, really little. So she used to bring us to the gym and, you know, I'd take a ball and go play with myself for a while. Um, But I also played Little League and we swam and, uh, you know, in middle school played softball and basketball. But volleyball was always kind of my my first love and the thing that I knew I wanted to do, you know, in the long term.
0: And you have. (laughs) And I have. So when when you heard about the league for the first time, you'd been out of Stanford for a few years and were playing. So do you remember your first impression? You know, when I graduated college, I went and played for the national team and
1: professionally overseas, there wasn't a league available in the U.S. So I played for five years um, around the world and, and with the U.S. team. And I had actually retired for, I'd been retired for, I think, four years and had no plans to kind of come back and play competitively. And then one of my teammates from the national team was, was playing here and was part of kind of the the founding group. And as I talked to her about it, I thought, okay, maybe this, maybe this is going to be real, which, you know, in my, in my lifetime, there has not been professional volleyball in the U S and, um, you know, every once in a while somebody says they're going to start it and it's, it's not, you know, a real opportunity. And so after I talked to, uh, John Patrickoff, our, our CEO and one of our co-founders and heard more about it. I, I thought, I, I think this is real and I think it's you know, going to be something pretty cool. And if it is, if it's something that we can build, it's going to last beyond us. And I want to be a part of building that.
0: There are so many interesting things about this model, the most obvious one, which is that it's not a city-based league. So how does that really change the equation for the
1: athletes? Yeah. It's, it's super interesting. I mean, a it's, it's short. So the, the actual season is five weeks, usually with an additional week or two of, of preseason. Uh, we all come to one city. So right now we're in Dallas. Um, and yeah, so we bring 44 athletes. There's no club clubs or club owners or, uh, management. It's just, you know, just us. And we switch teams every week. We redraft our teams each week and I think really smart in the sense that we're not spending a bunch of money on travel and, uh, you know, upkeep of all these different clubs. It's, it's just about us and our experience and we can make the the venue really great because we're all playing in the same place. And it's, it just creates kind of a really interesting environment in which, you know, you have 43 other people who are your, both your opponents and your teammates. Um, And so, you know, we'll play Mm -hmm. a match and then, know, get after it on the court and go back to the same locker room together and and be talking and and joking about it. I think it's a really cool thing that doesn't necessarily have the, you know, team to team, you know, longstanding rivalries of the traditional sports model, but it has really exciting teams each week that you can see, okay, I really want to see this matchup between these players and you can follow your, your favorite player through the league and how their team does. Um,
0: Yeah. Does it change how you actually think about playing? Yeah, I think it's an interesting,
1: you know, challenge, uh, which is, which is fun in, a, in and of itself, because when you get to this point in your career, there's rarely something, you know, entirely new being thrown at you. And, you know, for us, we have, we draft our teams and we have two days of practice before we play our, our first match with that team and it requires you to figure out, you know, how can you gel as quickly as possible and get to know that person next to you as quickly as possible. And so like the teams I've been on the last couple of weeks, we've had conversations about, okay, what's, what, do, what am I like as a player? You know, what do I what do I bring? What do I need if I'm struggling? How can you tell if I'm struggling? How do you communicate, communicate with me? And so that we're having those conversations right off the bat so that everybody just kind of knows where we're all starting. Um, but the teams that do really well are those ones who, you know, can, can find that chemistry the fastest. And it's, it is really crazy that, you know, within two days you can feel like this is my team and I'm, you know, hundred percent going for them. And then five days later, you're going to switch. Um, but again, it's just kind of a a new challenge. And, you know, we we get to know each other so well, which is also a different challenge because then your teammates going to be across the net from you next week. And she knows all your you know secrets. And so you have to kind of keep adapting and evolving. It is surprising how at times you can kind of find that chemistry so quickly. And sometimes you don't. And, you know, the good thing about that is, if you go to a traditional league and you play for you know six or seven months you're on the worst team and you're not having a good experience, it's going to last that whole time. You don't have anywhere to go. Here, you're on the team that you don't like as much and one week later, you've switched.
0: Yeah, I imagine that's really, yeah. You're being forced to really push all your other skills here. Communication, leadership. Also, the way it's structured, it seems that you come together and make decisions in a way that is very different than the old model of professional leagues.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think most... Pro leagues, you know, they have the league itself as an organization, obviously has a lot of power. The owners of each team, you know, have a lot of power and are, are the big voices in the decision-making and maybe there's a players' association. Um, that's at the negotiating table for athletes unlimited. Uh, we each sport, there are four sports. So we're one of them in volleyball. They also have softball lacrosse and basketball and each sport has a, a five person player executive committee. And we're not even really kind of at the negotiating table. We're just at the table with, our, our founders and our staff trying to figure out what's best and so every decision about our league comes through us you know from you know where we want to play and what venue what hotel we're going to stay in who are the officials going to be at our matches what are we going to wear all of it and it's it's really revolutionary i mean i don't know that there's any organization that's ever um given the athletes this much voice and power so there are five of us that are part of that the player executive committee, the PEC, and you know, we can always go to the larger player group and ask for their feedback and opinion on things too. And I think it works because we all have the same goals. We want this league to succeed and be sustainable. And we also want our athletes to be you know, treated as well as possible and paid as well as possible. And so it takes a lot of trust, but it really feels like we're all sitting at the same table, just trying to kind of collaborate and find the best solutions.
0: And I know one of those decisions you made together was deciding whether you wanted to play in Texas with everything that's been going on there. yeah, it was it was really hard. I mean, I think for some
1: of us at least that that moment was just difficult. And we had played in in Dallas the previous season. We were planning on coming back and had already made made plans, you know, had a venue, had a hotel, and legislation hit. And, uh, the John Patrickoff and Jonathan Soros, who are our founders and our, and the rest of the senior staff, we talked to them, you know, weekly, uh, on calls and that week the call was, okay, are, are we still good to go? Um, and they, they came to us very genuinely with that question that, you know, again, like I said, we had plans in place already, but had we said we're out, they would have figured out how to make that happen. And they, they kind of asked us, okay, what, if we're going to go back, like, what do we, what are the hurdles we need to cross to get there. What do we need to find out to get there? And, you know, the first thing for us was just, can we make sure that our, you know, our players and our staff are, are safe, um, that if they need medical care, they can get it. Um, you know, there was some current concern about the new gun legislation. So that was the very, like the conversation wasn't going to go anywhere unless we could expect a reasonable degree of safety. So we got past that. And then the next question um, for us was, how do the people on the ground feel? And because the, the real decision was, you know, are we essentially boycotting Texas um, or are we going to go and what's going to be more impactful and, and powerful? You know, when it comes to a boycott, a, we had not actually announced we were coming to Dallas. So I don't know that us not going would have made a lot of news and we're not a giant, we're not Disney or Nike or, um, but B, you know, I, this was a f- probably a few months after uh, major league baseball pulled their all star game out of Atlanta. And I remember seeing an article, um, like an op-ed by Stacey Abrams and some others saying, you know, sometimes boycotts have unintended consequences and, uh, affect the people who you're kind of most trying to help. And so we were really adamant that we wanted to hear from people who were doing the work on the ground. And, um, so some of the staff, you know, spoke to people who work in, in some of those grassroots organizations to say, you know, do you have an opinion on this? Uh, and they encouraged us to, to stay and use the platform that we have while we're here. And so we ended up deciding that that was kind of the most powerful impact we could have was coming into this space, particularly being, I think, a league of female athletes um, and then figuring out, okay, what can we do while we're here to to stand up for what we believe in and, and our values. So we we'll, uh, we have voter registration at all of our matches for anybody who, who wants to register. Um, and then... You know, education was another really big concern of ours um, because of some of the education legislation in Texas. And so we wanted to sell some books at our, um, at our venue. Uh, so we have books kind of curated by our athletes, in particular, kind of lifting up voices that maybe are, are not being heard as much or being suppressed. There's also a wall in our venue where we've decided to highlight women from history that, again, are maybe not or um, maybe being overlooked. Uh, Again, selected by our athletes. So that's people like Anna Julia Cooper and Ida B. Wells and Bell Hooks and um, Patsy Mink. And, you know, I think as we went into it, we were really thinking not kind of how do we show up in in protest, but how do we show up and live our values? And so in the scope of what we're doing, um, you know, those women that we're celebrating are part of the reason why we're able to be here and do this. Um, and be on the court together, and bring you know white and black and Hispanic and Asian and Native women all in the same court. Um, so we feel like whether or not somebody kind of intuitively thinks that a bookstore and a Women's History Wall like goes with volleyball, you know, for us I think it does. And, like one of my favorites is um, there's a woman named Juanita Kraft, and she was I think the first Black woman to vote in Dallas. She led a lot of desegregation efforts, and one of those efforts that she led was around the state fair which is held at fair park which is where we play and so this is a woman who had to protest because she wasn't being allowed in the state fair on the grounds that we're playing in and now we have her up on a wall celebrating her
0: how does this this new kind of structure of the league change your relationship with fans it's really interesting and one of the ways that um one of the things they thought about
1: as they were designing the league and that the the current fans and the future fans are are shifting a little bit away from the you know i am a rangers fan or i'm a lakers fan to following individual players our unlimited club which has all these members and they can vote for mvps which gets us you know extra points potentially um they can follow along in kind of new ways by you know getting a camera that is courtside and you're really seeing like from the player's view and having players mic'd up so you can hear what they're saying or, or talking to players, you know, in the middle of a game on broadcast. And, um, and then beyond that, our content team really is, is focused on telling the stories of our players because I think that's what um, fans really want these days is to learn who we are off of the court, uh, which again, goes back to what we're doing in Texas. But um, I think that's really where the, you know, the world is going, where the sports world is going and this uh, format just kind of lends itself to that. Maybe you have a favorite team each week, but really you can follow this player throughout the trajectory of, of the league.
0: Has this changed? I imagine, you know, you had retired. So are you looking at your career in a different way now because of this league? Yeah. I mean, well, I think it's interesting. Like I had no
1: plans to, to unretire to begin with. Um, and and. in, part of that was possibly because I couldn't play here in the U S and so, um, I certainly was not going to go overseas for another season. Uh, so I think there are a lot of people like me who are done with that part of their career and, um, and are able to do this now, or who want to work, you know, other jobs and do this for, you know, six weeks out of the year. Um, for me personally coming back was really about, um, you know, what was going to last beyond me and, and making sure that I can build this. I mean, listen, I love playing volleyball and it's, it's really fun. Uh, but I also love playing volleyball, you know, at home in a gym where nobody's watching. And so at this point I I have fun on the court and I, I love my teammates. And, um, you know, when you're in the middle of it, you're like, man, this is amazing. Uh, but at the end of the day, what I feel most proud of, and what I'm most excited about is when I see, you know, the league growing and, um, signs that we can become sustainable over, you know, a longer period of time.
0: What do you see as really being necessary to make it successful?
1: You know, I, I think the biggest thing is investment from, and there's many different kinds of investment, right? So from our sponsors for sure. And we've, we've had great ones so far and those relationships continue to grow. Um, and then, you know, the media, our broadcast partners, and we've had great ones so far and those continue to grow. And, um, and then the fans kind of investing their time in it. And I, I think that, you know, for volleyball in particular, we're, we're such a huge sport. I think we're probably the biggest sport that nobody talks about. Um, and I think that is directly related to the fact that we are predominantly in the U.S. a girl's sport. Um, but we're the, we're the biggest girl's sport in high school, the biggest team sport for girls in high school. Um, so this was, this was the biggest step was just getting a product out there that, I mean, I think we are players as a product have always been there, have always been good, have always been ready to do this. Um, but the investment from an organization like Athletes Unlimited to say, okay, we're gonna take that and match that level, like that level of quality with the production value, with the, you know, the core. So it actually looks good. So it looks professional. I think that was the biggest step. And now it's just going, okay, how do we take this and make sure that we keep growing the numbers and people are watching.
0: It's really exciting. And it's so great to see, you know, this model that's giving women athletes more power and more, you know, control over their work and their values and how they express them in the world. So when you're off the court, I see one of you, one of the things you do is you have a nonprofit that works with kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have a nonprofit called Path. Um, and it largely came out of, you know, I, I talk to kids all the time and, um, you know, I, I know that when I walk into a gym and talk to a group of kids, they're going to listen a little bit differently when you say that I played for Stanford and played for the U.S. national team. Um, and so I really want to be able to use kind of that influence that, that we have to, you know, do something more than sign a ball for them. Um, so, and also, you know, I, I came out of volleyball in, you know, 2016, 2017. So, like, pretty tumultuous time for our country. And it's, we've obviously, been in this kind of very divisive environment. And I felt like, you know, if we're going to in the long term kind of make strides to to close those divides, we need kids to have some better skills around empathy and kind of self empowerment. Um, Because at the moment, like we're just not very good at interacting with each other or looking at ourselves and figuring out how we belong in the world, having that kind of confidence. And I think sports are such a great vehicle for that. And it's something that we all say that sports teach, these kind of life skills, and there's very little intention around it normally. So what we do at PATH is create content featuring elite athletes and coaches from across sports, you know, NBA, NFL, Olympics, WNBA, um, breaking down those kind of big concepts of, you know, empathy or, or equity into, you know, the short kind of tangible bites that kids can understand. And then give them, all right, now here's a couple of things to think about. And here's actual actionable ways to practice that skill in the same way that you're practicing hitting a ball every day. They're the same skills, like being a good teammate. Like if you think about what a great team culture is, I've always felt like as an athlete, I have two jobs. I want to bring my best and I want to help the person next to me bring theirs. And imagine if that's how the world (laughs) worked, that everybody just brought those two concepts to life.
0: It seems like what Athletes Unlimited is doing is bringing us a little closer to what was really meant by a league of their own. Follow Cassidy and her teammates and find out more about Athletes Unlimited at auprosports.com. I'll have the links in the show notes. Follow me on Instagram or drop me a line at Susan at SusanFerryPrice.com. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next week.